0: Once again, we want to turn our face towards your altar. As we pour our thanks, we pour our praises upon you. We ask that you look kindly on us. And let your mercy be afforded us even now as always. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. God bless you, indeed. So yesterday, we were trying to do basic definition of terminologies. And we were so um, determined to differentiate between success and fruitfulness. And we said that in success, we used God to achieve our objectives. Turn your Bible to the book of Psalms 18, verse 24. Psalms 18, verse number 24. Psalms 18, verse. Okay, give me um, 29. Eighteen twenty-nine. 29. Uh, Psalms 18:29 says, For by thee I have run through a troop, and by my God I have leaped over a wall. So this is a testimony of how he was able to succeed. He took advantage of God, and by God he was able to run through a troop. And by his God, he was able to leap over a wall. So this is a scripture that is descriptive of success. You want to run through a troop and he took advantage of the capacity that is in God in order to achieve that. He wanted to leap over a wall and he took advantage of the capacity that is in God in order to achieve that. So in success... We have goals that we take advantage of the capacity that is in God to achieve, but that's a different concept from fruitfulness. Are you still with me? You know, yesterday I was trying to tell us of a certain lady, and this lady sent me a chat. She watched a movie, a documentary of a certain significant servant of God who who happened to be a Nigerian that has served God faithfully. And the documentary was in his honor. And when she finished listening to it, she saw how selfless the man was. She saw how yielded the man was to God. And um, she told me she's not selfless. She has ambitions. There are things that she wants to achieve and all of that. Then I said, God is more ambitious than yourself. If only you can submit to your very slim, slender ambition in order to embrace his, you will find out that he's more ambitious than yourself. Then she now said, what about my plans? I have a plan to set up a business. I have a plan to, I want to do this. I want to do that. Um, Then I told her that planning is idolatry. If we have not yet secured the will of God. When you secure the will of God, then you can now begin to plan around it. Are you there? Planning in its own by itself as a fruit of the soul is tantamount to our idolatry. What are you planning when you have not heard God? Your life is supposed to derive from the Spirit of God. You have the authority to begin to plan. So planning is not primary. Planning is secondary. Are you still with me? Planning is what? Oh, you are weak. I think, are you fasting? I don't know. Was there a proclamation that, amen? Please help me tell your neighbor, your neighbor is not aware because he's planning. He's planning something. (laughs) You know, one of the most dangerous things in life is for you to succeed in your agenda. If God allows you to succeed in what you have planned for yourself, it's dangerous. Because if you are in the wrong direction, we should not be talking about speed. So when we have secured the plans, the mind of God, the direction of God, then we begin to plan. Planning is a secondary thing. Goal setting are secondary initiatives, primary initiatives is to ensure that you are always bearing fruit according to the will of God. And the issue of fruit bearing is significant in the scriptures. And it is because of these that I would like us to turn to the book of uh, Matthew chapter 21, beginning from verse 18 to 20. Matthew chapter 21 Beginning from verse 18 to 20. Now in the morning as he returned into the city, he hungered. And this scripture is talking about Jesus. Next verse. And when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon but leaves only. And said unto it, let no fruit grow on thee henceforth forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. He was still saying it, and the fig tree dried up. Um I think we need to know what a fig tree is. Because a fig tree does not produce fruit apart from the leaves in fact when you begin to see leaves on the fig tree the fruit is in the leaves so if the fruit the fig tree has capacity to bring forth leaves then it should be able to have fruit and that was why jesus approached the tree because it was leafy only for him to discover that there was no fruit Available. My, my question is: What kind of hunger was it that Jesus was afflicted with that he did not have patience with the tree? Because the Bible reveals in the previous verse that Jesus was an and he was motivated by a strange kind of hunger to visit this fig tree only to meet disappointment. And when he met disappointment, the hunger was such that he could not wait and he couldn't go elsewhere to eat. He cursed the tree. <laughs> he was hungry for fruit. And that's how desperate God can be for fruit. He can be so desperate that he can leave a destructive utterance at the foot of a fig tree when he doesn't find God is not casual about fruitlessness. He's not casual about it. Uh, people will say, okay, there's no fruit today, let's come to Mo- Jesus will curse the tree. And while the curses are still coming out of his mouth, the tree begins to wither. If we go to the next, the next scripture I want to read to us, you will find out why Jesus will not just walk away when he meets a situation of fruitlessness. A lesson in the book of John chapter 15 is a lesson on the subject of fruitfulness. And each and every one of us is supposed to bear some sort of fruit. Are you you with me? Yes, some sort of fruit. And we have said that the subject of fruitfulness is dissociated from the subject of success. Don't think that okay, you are running a business that is successful, and because of that, that replaces your need to provide fruit in this sense. You are wasting your time. And you know, the lady now discovered that it was her I used to preach yesterday. So she now sent me more messages and said, She knew. I said, All right, yes, you are the one. I'm talking about I'm also preaching to you anywhere you are there. So there's something she now said. Um She feels like resigning from her job and going to look for a cave so that she can stay with God. I said, that is actually not balance. You see, God is a God of balance. If you listen to the ministry and the teachings of Jesus, Jesus emphasizes balance. Especially when he was talking about the issue of titan in the book of Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. Jesus said, woe unto you Pharisees. For you pay the tithe of anise, you pay the tithe of, okay. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you pay the tithe of mint and anise and cumin. Who knows what mint is? You know mint leaves? So when you harvest mint leaves on your farm, you, one, the first one belongs to God. Then the remaining nine belong to you. Then the first one belongs to God. So they taught titan such that people bring tithe of Ashwe. You are not. You are not following <laughs> they were so good in teaching titan that people Kumin is like it's like Maggie that people brought tithes of Maggie of Royko. They taught the issue of titan so well that even in the basest of things, the people were compliant with the doctrine of titan. Jesus said, what you have done is that you have majored, you have made the people to major on the minors. Because in the eyes of Jesus, there were other matters of the law that were, that were more weightier than tithing. You would think that what Jesus is saying is stop tithing and focus on the weightier matters. Jesus doesn't teach that way. As far as that is truth, it has a place. So the idea of the theology of balance is that you don't stop doing other good things because you want to achieve what you believe is weightier. See, and I've omitted the weightier matters of the law, then he mentioned a few of those weightier matters, judgment, mercy, and faith. How many of you seated here today or listening to me online has ever considered that judgment is a weighty matter in the issue of doctrine, judgment? But you are not aware. You are not aware that your life is going to be evaluated before the judgment seat of Christ. Every The meaning of everything that you did on earth, in the light of God's expectation, is going to be weighed. And people are supposed to be instructed in the ways of the Lord so that when they appear before the judgment seat of Christ, they will not meet with shame. Because there are two possible options of what can result from your being in the judgment seat of Christ before the judgment seat of Christ. The first option is that you can be rebuked. And when you are rebuked, um, in my last study, there are five consequences of experiencing a rebuke in the afterlife when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And that rebuke, in terms of gravity, in terms of significance, is more is much superior than your master's degree that you got from Bernard State University. So they are weightier matters of the law. Some people doctrine, what they preach, are you with me? What they preach um, prepares people for time, it doesn't prepare people for eternity. You must have known that everything that has to do with sowing and reaping is as long as the earth remains that true. It means that the principle of sowing and reaping doesn't go beyond this earth that remains. So my titan, the implication of my titan is earthbound. But there are several doctrines and several things, practices that transcend beyond the earthbound context. And most people, a lot of pastors prepare people for earthbound realities. And they have short the door of spiritual knowledge to things that have to do beyond this life. In my own opinion, having understood the spirit of the New Testament Gospel, that is wickedness. That person that prepares people for it and he doesn't prepare them for after it, that pastor is, is, is has joined forces with Satan. Because the journey beyond time It's a journey of issues that can be regarded as weightier matters. How many of you know that your faith is going to transcend time? Your faith. If someone dies with his faith in Jesus Christ, you don't know that. That your faith is precious in the sight of God. The faith with which you died is going to determine so many things about you in the life that is to come. And that's why faith is on that list. Are you there? Yes, sir. Mercy is on that list because of the shape of the after, afterlife context. I went to a minister in South Africa, and after ministering in the minister's conference, a preacher wanted to see me, and then he came and began strange confessions. Strange confessions. And after confessing and confessing, and then the nun told me that, you know, he was in coma. He actually, his spirit went to heaven and they denied him entrance into heaven. Hallelujah. That's not a place to build. (laughs) Uh, That's when you realize that there is a king whose authority transcends time and he cannot be manipulated. The justice system of that age is not the Nigerian tribunal. When you see a man that is instructed in the issues that pertain to his journey beyond time, he lives a life that is restrained. It's not because he can't go full length. He is cautioned by the knowledge of God that governs that state of existence, that journey of reality. He is governed by it. So there is a lot of restraint that is put upon him. Even though he has the ability to do and undo, especially if he is wealthy, you will see restraint upon him. That is a proof that he has been well instructed in weightier matters the person preaching to you as a pastor that is always talking about financial and material blessings and 60% of the time that's what he's talking about. He has joined league with Satan to defraud the people of God. And it doesn't matter the crowd he gathers. He has lost track with the doctrine of God because the doctrine of God goes beyond the veil it goes beyond the flesh it goes into the context of realities and in the context of realities everything is bare and plain and the deeds of men pray I cannot help someone that has departed to the other side so during barriers we don't pray for people say pray, let's pray for this man no according to scripture it is his deeds that follow him So he must be instructed in time to order his deeds according to righteousness so that he will not be ashamed before the monarch of justice. So Jesus was able to spell it out that there were weightier matters of the law that border on issues that transcend time. But this is a counsel that Jesus gave. And you'll notice that Jesus' counsel is always consistent with balance. Balance. He said, these ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. So Jesus did not abolish the emphasis of titan. He said, you did a good job there, but you would have added this one too. That's balance. The lady wants to resign now and go to a cave. Even if she gets there, she won't find God. <clears throat> when you get to that cave, eh, you discover that there's a protocol in finding God. Protocol. It might take you seven years before you say you will whisper to you. So in that seven years, hold your job because it takes time to find God. Say, oh, and the truth is the fact that if you have more time, it doesn't mean that you will spend it on God. If you have not learned how to spend no time, out of your no time schedule, you have, you prioritize God enough to squeeze time for him. If you have all the time, you will not spend it on God. So I told her that her, the reason why the job is tight and God is uncompromising about his desires is because God wants to train you where you are to be able to prioritize. He said, I walk there and I, I say, Yeah, that's the best situation for you to find time for God in the midst of that mix. And I told her that the days you don't walk, you don't look for God. Now you want to leave your work, your job to go into the cave. You is demons, you will meet there. If you are still with me, say amen. Amen. Are, are you following? Yes. Balance. Balance. God needs representatives in that your workspace. Yes. You have heard my story. If anyone is support, going to leave a secular job in order to follow God on a full-time basis, he must hear God demanding that from him. If not, if you do it in any other way, you didn't do it for God. you want to leave your practice as a doctor in order for you to come into full-time ministry. Jesus must tell you that. If you achieve that any other way, you let it be on record that you did not do it for God. You are a poor manager of your life. And you know, when you are not a good administrator of the opportunities God has given you, life will teach you practical lessons. May the Lord have mercy on us in Jesus' name. Are you there? All right, come with me quickly. Let's still look at a matter. Remember, please remember, remember, before we go to the next verse. Jesus doesn't take it casually when he comes to your life and discover that you are fruitless. He won't just walk away and say, okay, let us leave him till September. Then we'll come and check again. No, he causes fruitless trees. And the metaphor that was used in the book of John chapter 15 for the Christian and the scenario, the entire scenario is that of plant production. So in the language of plant production, these other scriptures that I just read apply adequately. Jesus is not casual about fruitlessness. Are you with me? Do not say, for someone listening to me in Lagos now, because in Lagos they wake up by 5 a.m. to go to work, come back by 11 in the night, and he thinks that that work that he's doing is his calling. You'll be, you be surprised that Lagos will not be mentioned at the Judgment seat of Christ. The peculiarity of your city will not be mentioned. And also, this man speaking to you here, I was in Lagos for seven years in the line of duty. And I could still maintain my life of prayer. And some days I was doing eight hours of prayer in tongues. Sometimes I trek home, not because I don't have transport money, because I need to fill up the number of hours of prayer that I. Those were the days of construction on Lagos roads. It takes me four hours to get to work and four hours to come back home. And those four hours were enjoyed in tongues. I always had my change in the pocket. You know, I told you God confined me to the yellow buses of Lagos. So I had my change so that me and the conductor would not discuss. Once he come, I just new note, change. I give. Don't I won't even look at him. I'm not there for him. I don't know him. And I don't intend to make a new friend in transit because that time belongs to God. So I have four hours to go. I have four hours to come back home. I have eight hours. If by any means, Something happens and I was not able to secure my eight hours, I will trek. So that before I come back, I have finished eight hours. I was doing eight hours doing active work that involves physics and mathematics. Yes. It was as mentally tasking as it was physically tasking. But I still was able to achieve eight hours of communion with God on a daily basis. In that your Lagos a man will always have time for what is important to him. If you love a lady, you just discover that in that time that you don't have, say you work in a bank, you work late, you give her three hours. The time is not there, but you will see yourself. You just discover some skills of how to create time so that you can be around this. (laughs) Hallelujah. So you always create time for what you want. And don't think that you can, you can bear fruit when there's no investment. There's deliberate investment that is involved so that you can bear fruit in that direction. Somebody saw me teaching the, the scriptures. I finished teaching somewhere, not in Nigeria. And the person say, came and down and say, I want to teach like, like you. You know, we, we are spoiled. We are spoiled people. Because somebody thinks that he can just lay hands on him. And then you wake up and be, ah, you, you start teaching. He didn't ask me of my journey in, in, in Bible study. 27 years of, of studying. Even if is to become a professor, I would have become an academic professor in this matter. It doesn't take 27 years for you to become a professor. He didn't ask, he just say, I'm tapping. <laughs> <laughs> You know how many hours I was before my Bible today, trying to still understand the mystery locked therein. Then when I finish, I now stay on the bed to meditate on the ones that are picked, and it begins to open. It begins to open. Then I take my pen and write. I say, "Oh, this how you ah." Before I got to that automatic software engineering in Bible study it took me 20 something years to get there somebody believes that you can just can't say man of God we want to you have not invested anything we want to take blessing like when we lay hands it will be transmitted Keep. you will become bored from hand lay of hands and you will bear no foot Luke chapter 13 verse 6 to 9. Luke 13, verse 6. He spake also this parable A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon, and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit. On this fig tree and I have none cut it down. Why cumber it the ground? And he answered and said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also till I dig about it and don't get. And if a bean bear fruit well and if it bear not then after that thou shall cut it down you know there is a question that was asked there, you you remember the question, what's the question you are afraid you see when I come to church and see you afraid like this there's a problem what's the question there You, you know I had to go study the meaning of that question Why Coombaret eat the ground? So the passion of the owner of the vineyard is the productivity of the ground. I know that the ground has potential to produce. I know that the ground has capacity to produce. The problem of lack of production is the fault of this tree. So if the tree is not producing, what do we, let's remove it. Because it is blocking the possibilities that the soil contains. <laughs> now, this is how it was rendered in the materials that I consulted. Why combaret it the ground, first meaning? Why make the ground of non-effect? So the lack of translation of the potential of the ground is uh, the inability of the tree to be fruitful. The ground has been tested and trusted. Its capacity is not in doubt. But the problem is we put a wrong tree on the ground. It is making the ground of non-effect. Another material, or the materials I consulted, is translation of what that question, why kumbarating the ground means is that why have you allowed the ground to be idle? When you have developed wonderful soil that has potential, you come to query the lack of productivity, not based on that ground. You see, this tree you have planted there is making the ground idle. It's covering it and blocking the potential of the ground. It's see, cut it off. God's attitude towards fruitlessness is serious. He will not come and monitor your life and go, accepting that, yes, you are still trying to boot. His visit to your life, if he finds that you are living life, all the resources he's making available to you, is squandered. On other things other than fruitfulness, he will order that your life be cut off. Because you are wasting resources that can be used To power another person. Are you with me? Second thing that we must take note of in this arrangement. Is that when next you celebrate your birthday. Because most of you do. And I see you on Facebook. You're you're on Facebook. Like this. When next you celebrate your birthday. (laughs) Hallelujah. Be it known unto thee. That God comes for annual inspections around the lives of men. Be it known unto you. How many years did he visit? Three years. There are annual investment checks that are made on every life that is under heaven. Have you ever visited someone in the hospital that is on oxygen? How many of you? you visited someone on oxygen. Okay. Do you know how much? Oxygen is needed to support that person for one hour. You know the cost? Did any of you find the cost? Rita, where are you? For one hour? 2,400. Multiply that by 24 hours, quickly. Dr. Rita has given us the actual current cost, 2,500, what? Two thousand four hundred at for twenty four hours is what fifty seven thousand six hundred. That is the salary of level what in the public service. Please help us with all the details. Who who is a shrewd public servant here that has labelled in that corridor? What level level eight? The, that is a monthly salary of a level, that means a level eight person cannot afford oxygen for 24 hours. $60. $60 per, per day. What? Level eight salary is not to $60. That kingdom come, that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Are you there? It means level eight, a level eight worker in our public service system cannot afford oxygen for 24 hours. So if God is squandering 76,400 n- naira on you for every 24 hours, it is because he is hopeful that you will bear fruit. And if by, at the end of the day, there, there's no possibility of nothing coming, he say you have combed. You have made the resources, the oxygen that you were given, you made it fruitless. It was idle. It didn't produce. He he, he will not just say, I'm angry. No, he will cut you down. We went to pray for a corner. They say he was afflicted. So our usher here called me and said, please, my uncle is dying. We rushed him. And I raised my hand to lay on him. And I saw a recharge card of MTN. How many of you still know recharge card? You know recharge card? I saw recharge, MTN recharge card. So I, I calmed down. And you know what the Lord told me? There's no credit on, on this man. That prayer you want to use zeal to transmit. There's no, there no credit. You can't make a phone call if there's no credit on your phone. This man had opportunities to be fruitful. He decided not to be. Your prayer will not change anything. The verdict is already sealed. And meanwhile, normally when we go for prayers like that, we we say, God, I'm your friend now. Can't you, because I came, can't you do? He said, Oga, this matter has passed friendship. This man has no credit. So, what we did was that we arranged political prayers. Because if you go all the way and you refuse to pray, they will say you are the one that killed him. So we have to say, Father, you that seated in the heavens, when you begin to see too much English in a prayer, it means there's no utterance. <laughs> hey. The colonel died one week after. No credit. Every opportunity he had to be merciful, he squandered it. Every opportunity he had to be useful, he squandered it. So heaven had already sent a memo to withdraw his oxygen. What is the question behind this initiative? Why cumbered it, the ground? Are you there? May heaven not say you are covering the resources. May heaven Amen. not say that you are using up vital resources. your life must be set up to bear fruit. Exactly? All right. When you want to pray for a dead person, ask the people of the life he lived before he dies. Was this someone? that bore fruit, if you can take inventory of two or three significant fruits the person has borne, you can use that as an argument in prayer. Are you with me? Do you still remember what the widows, how the widows pleaded with Peter to pray for who? For Dockers. You You are a student of the Bible. They showed the acts of philanthropy the acts of grace that she has done to less privileged people that cannot pay her back hey, the oil upon the life of Peter was stirred instantly and he beckoned on the Lord means there was credit on her line I say yes we can restore oxygen we can restore we can pay 76,400 we, we have made a location to replenish the supply of oxygen May your life be more valuable to God than the 76,400 that is needed to sustain you with oxygen. Amen. Why cumber it? The ground. The owner of the vineyard is concerned about the potential of the ground. And that a vine that will not translate that potential should not be allowed thereon. Haven't understood this. We can go back to our scripture that we attempted to read yesterday and were blocked because of the depth that is in it. And that is John chapter 15, beginning from verse number 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Stop there. I am the true vine. So, this first verse is the verse of the definition of terminologies. That is a verse that uncovers the meaning of the metaphors that are captured in the presentation. So, Jesus calls himself the true vine. And I told you yesterday from the Greek word that was used for true, that Greek word means real. So, if Jesus is saying that I am the real vine, the reason for that emphasis is because there are false vines. That's number one thing we need to pick from that scripture. If there's a true vine, there is what? A false vine. We have University of Agriculture in Makodi. So, how many of you are from finished from University of Agriculture? Be bold. Why are you? Why are you? Yes, let's try again. Okay, now if you are in the engineering aspect, keep your hands down, you're not the one I'm looking for. Is there anyone that did something on plant science, plant, plant, plant? All of you went for engineering and you forgot that. Yeah? Are you from Uniagric? Plant, so what did you study? Plant what? Plant breeding and seed science. Ah, so what do you know about xylem vessels? (laughs) You see, in my study today, (laughs) you guys are not. (laughs) You guys are not here. (laughs) (laughs) Hallelujah. I'm just trying to analyze the scriptures jesus said i am divine then if we go the way of agriculture what exactly is unique about the vine it contains the xylem vessels and the xylem vessels transport and stores water and water soluble nutrients in vascular plants so it's a xylem vessels that transport soil water. And because water is a universal solvent, when water comes on the soil, it dissolves nutrients into itself. So the avenue through which the plant can be sustained is through the activity of the xylem vessels. It picks up these nutrients that are dissolved in water and he sucks them in. So when Jesus is saying I'm divine, Jesus is saying that I'm the source of the nutrient that will keep you alive. And I'm going to analyze that. Just give me a moment. Hallelujah. I'm going to analyze that because the Bible gave us a few symptoms that find expression when a man is lacking in grace. The Bible also gave us a few symptoms of what is obtainable when a man decides not to be fruitful. Because there are two individuals here, the vine is there and what? The husbandman is there. I'd like to show you the role of the husbandman in a moment of time, but you see the vine did not just call himself the vine. He called himself the true vine. I am the true vine, and my father is a husbandman. Okay. Are you there? All right. So, can we do verse two? You need to understand verse two. Before we can introduce verse three, I don't think we can introduce verse three this night. Verse three is deep, but if you don't know the meaning of verse two, you will think that verse three is off. You will think that verse three is not in the sequence of the progression of revelation. You are likely to consider verse three as a standalone if you do not understand the meaning of verse two. Should I tell you the problems that you have The pressures on your life, the challenges Satan brings, is not enough reason for Jesus not to come looking for food. So you have problems, that your business has crashed. (laughs) Are you there? It won't exempt you from the inspection. And like I said, Jesus is not casual about that inspection. If he saddles himself to come check your life, which he does annually. He does annual reports on every lie. And even the recommendation that the vine dresser gave to the owner of the garden is let us dig about it, let us dung it. And the reason for this extra investment is because we want to fast track the food, food bearing process. He it, it told him we will dig about it and dung it another year. You notice that this assessment is done in years, so when you celebrate your birthday, before you go to Facebook and you do like this, you go. I saw ah, Jesus Christ, and people wish themselves happy birthday. Happy birthday to me. <laughs> now, I, I'm, I don't know where that is done. It means you you are not bearing fruit, so there's nobody around to bear you to wish you happy birthday. What is that? What? 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 Happy birthday! <laughs> Before you go into all of that confusion, be sure of the assessment <laughs> that God has come to conduct around your life. Whether there is a need to keep seventy six thousand four hundred spending it on you for the next twenty-four hours. Come back, come back. I need to hit you hard so that you wake up. The intention is that you you are not allowed to live recklessly like the average believer on the street. That doesn't know that there's an expectation on his life. He thinks that the reason why he's living here is to run the rat race like unbelievers and to compete with them for relevance. Uh, if you squander your life that way, you'll be disappointed. Yes, you were employed with other doctors, but you are a Christian doctor. You need to find out there is a reason why God gave you the employment. Anything God allows in your life is an opportunity for you to bring a kind of fruit. Any challenge. Oh, you are having challenges, marital issues. There's a fruit that is lacking. God analyzes every situation from the perspective of fruit, that this will be an enhancement for fruit bearing. And that's the reason why he will allow it into your space. Are you there? And you know, I told you there's a difference between pursuing ambition and bearing fruit. The one thing about pursuing ambition is that ambition is conceived in the soul. Ambition is pursued with human energy. The quest to attain to the requirements or the goals of ambition can require that you will break the principles of righteousness. Are you there? Ambition is a very cool to advertise self. So the motivation for ambition is to put self on the stage so that self can be recognized. Because of the nature of ambition, there is a time frame that you believe that if ambition speaks, it will have the greatest impact. Hmm. But if the objective is fruitfulness, you cannot even tell when the fruit will begin to comfort. All of that is in the hands of God. So you can't boast about the process you can't boast about the outcome. Are you with me? It is because of the process that is unpredictable, that is held under the government of God, that people become fake. They circumvent the protocol and they try to make themselves relevant apart from God's vision. Are you with me? Like I told you, long ago God came to me and said study my word now I think this is about 15 years ago how many of you were there when I spoke about festival of glory 15 years before it it happened yes 15 years but I had an encounter with Jesus and he said there is an offering that Benway used to give him in times past that has ceased. I should go and organize festival of glory crusade. It is from that crusade he can get that offer. So we tried to mechanically put up the crusade before time and we were faced with defeat. And uh, I'm trying to do a compilation of everything I tried to do. God told me, oh, But I try to accomplish it in the flesh and the failures, I think there are about 27 major things all in the flesh, in the energy of the flesh, because you cannot fulfill a vision that God has put in your spirit with the resources of the flesh. It's a very humbling thing for a man that wants to bear fruit, because in bearing fruit, what we are doing is that we are making ourselves available in yieldedness so that God can use us to accomplish what he intended. A man pursuing success is looking for relevance in achievements, or the man pursuing fruitfulness is advancing in yieldedness so that he can become a vessel through which God can bring to pass his desires and his intentions. These two people do not have the same goal. These two people cannot be rated on the same scale. One is looking for vainglory, for for the world to come and applaud him. And another one is willing to wait until God's will find expression in his life. One is is in, in the continental ballistic missile, is looking for expression even if the resources by which he finds this expression are rooted in the flesh and wickedness and darkness, he will cover that aspect of the story and say, I emerged. And all is to the glory of self, fallen self. But one knows exactly what God wants to do and he has come to the knowledge of the fact that he cannot accomplish these things with human energy. It takes yieldedness and no flesh likes to yield under the authority of another my first question to you is this has God been speaking to you did he show you anything at all because our God is a showing spirit he shows things he said call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that thou knowest not are you with me It means it is beyond your comprehension. When God begins to take you in his visions, it is not something that your mental faculty can handle. It's not within the scope of your expectations. It takes you outside of the box. The things he shows you are not even in line with your areas of competencies. If what you said God showed you is something you have ability to do, it's not God that showed you. If what you say God showed you is something that you can fulfill alone, it's not God that should. The visions of God are not individualistic because God sees nations and generations. So anything that God commissions has a touch of nations in it. It has a touch for generations in it. It is bigger than the soul of one man. And that's why no effort of man can bring it to pass if a true vision is implemented so many lives will be blessed so many people will be touched and it has the capacity to keep flowing as a river of positive divine influence on the lives of men generation after generation after generation embedded in that thing that god showed you is the shaping of many other people that you will never meet in any other way except by the implementation of the fruit that is tied to that seed that you have received in this day of the passion for success and breakthrough and personal achievement and personal actualization what we have lost what we have lost in all of these rat race is the privilege to be servants through which God can bear fruit the responsibility of fruit bearing is not of the stem but of the branches I am divine in order for you to bear fruit I'm going to make available to you grace I'm am the, I'm the, I'm, I'm the channel through which grace will come upon you and that grace will never come upon you until the time allotted by God for those fruits to be born in your life I told you it's a festival of glory that I need an offering from Benway. Then we took off like a tornado. And we were humiliated in a way that was designed to create a permanent injury on flesh. Permanent injury. The The lessons we learned by the humiliation was enough to put flesh on that check. That if this thing is going to be, it's not going to be by power. It's not going to be by might, it's going to be by the Spirit of God. I'll tell you the truth. We try to do God's will in the flesh many times, about 27 major times. That's enough time for you to learn that it's not by power. Hey, don't ever think that the fallen man is not a strong man. In fact, God said it is possible for the fallen man to weary him. God is trying to weary that flesh so that when I renew your mind to know that God will never accept flesh. He will never choose flesh. He will never empower flesh. So when he gives something in the spirit, you need to wait on him to empower you through the same spirit to bring it to pass. And that's not a good recipe for the flesh and for the fallen man. My pastor friend, a friend of mine, it's a pastor, he told me that he saw himself in a vision. That he was putting on Agbada, lace, white and the hand of God was upon him, he manifested anointing on another level so he went and sold lace, I say you, you have white lace I say you have prolonged the days of the manifestation of that vision God has weighed you in the balances and seen that your handle on the flesh is still very active so you will journey you will journey ah, you will journey he told told me no that these things the reason why God showed is so that we can also participate and then he now sewed the lace and that day Satan struck you know when you move in the flesh God will arrange infrastructure to humiliate you in such a way that you have received a lesson eh, that will be ingrained on your heart that it is not by power it is not by might it is by the Spirit of God. Do you know that he saw the Agbada? He saw the Agbada 80 years ago. And did that drama. And Satan, dead with him. And then when he was now emptied of self, he wasn't trying to perform again. Are you there? He now wore that Agbada. One day after fasting, dry fasting, he was confused. He didn't. He was not inspired to wear it. But that was the day that food started coming. It was not engineered by flesh, by man. It was. Uh, you cannot fulfill divine things with fallen powers. Took fifteen years. I was praying over. Festival of all, 15 years. So why did you have to show it 15 years ago? was after 15 years, he said, do it now. And the year we now went to do it because he instructed, it was possible. The fruit that God was hoping to receive started coming from the land. Before we knew it, it became an international meeting. We're already receiving signals, people want to come for festival of glory, people that have never been to Nigeria ever in their lives. So God saw those nations when He was asking us to set up that altar. But He will not allow us to set it up in the power of the flesh so that no man will be able to glory. I am divine. And that's the support infrastructure that ensures that your insufficiency will count for nothing if you know how to yield. I am divine. And my, hus- my father is the husbandman. Verse 2 as we try to round up if we can. Every branch in me That beareth not fruit, he he taketh it away. This is the father's job. The father is sensitive to productivity such that he knows that some branches, some branches have challenges. Some branches want to be chopping nutrients without translating to fruitfulness. So he zeroes on the unproductive branch and he prunes it out, he cuts it out. don't, don't cumber the resources because God is a very prudent personality the question I want to leave you with before our next lecture is what happens because the Bible says we are the branches so if the Bible is saying that every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he take it away the question I want to leave to you is what, what does that mean to a believer because you are the branches and it will be the father's preoccupation to take you away because you are not what that's what I want to leave you with, can you go and study it and find out what that aspect of that scripture means every branch in me That beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he pruneth, it, that he may bring forth more fruit. Now, you see, when pruning is taking place, it's like wounding. And he's doing that wounding on a productive plant in order to maximize his productivity. So we are going to study again what this gardener does through fruitful people. Most of you, we call it demonic activity, that demons are on your case. But the reason why you are in that procedure is so that your capacity for fruit can be maximized. Can we go back and study and find out? Because this father we are talking about, this husband, man, his sensitivity for fruit is on a high level. He knows that in a fruitful tree, not every branch is inclined to fruitfulness. What he will do is that he will just cut. So in a congregation like this, not every individual is inclined to fruitfulness. Many want to hide under the cloud and just be, no, it's not safe for you. And we are not going to allow you to be fruitless. But I would like you to study it before the next lecture. What does it mean when the Bible says that the Father is going to cut off, he's going to take away a branch that does not bear fruit? That is a danger. That is a danger that we all must be faced with and to become the motivation for which we cannot be buried. That danger of being taken away. And it will interest you to know that taking away doesn't mean death because I, I see the way you are looking as if you are mourning. No, that's not what it means. But I want you to make effort to study it he take it away he taketh it away he take it away I just when we came back from South Africa we landed in Lagos so we met some brethren and they were telling us about a great preacher he was like number one preacher in Lagos those days I know the name but I will not mention the name I may mention the ministry, and those of you that are old enough, maybe you remember. There was a man, I will mention the name of the ministry off camera. Hmm. He had a threefold prayer point that he normally releases on crusade ground. I heard he was the first person that filled. Apart from Benson Dahosa that feels through Leary Stadium in Lagos it's when I went to Lagos this time I discovered that the man is still alive he's not dead I was told how he shook London something Huge happened to London through that man's ministry. Because I remember when I was still working in Lagos. If you come to Urile, those of you that know Orile in Lagos, the, I saw his signboard in Urile. I said, What is this man doing in Urile? He has been taken away. Is <laughs> he alive? But when you are taken away, you know that grace that comes through the vessels is no longer available to you. You are still doing what... May you, may God educate you to know that there is, the reason why, why the presence of God is on your life is not tied to anything that you are doing on the platform. God will still leave you with those, your gymnastics. But there will be no presence, there will be no grace backing you up. That's when you discover that without God, man is nothing. The greatest fear of any man that has experienced grace is for him to be taken away. God no longer plans with you in the economy of grace. You can still go through the motions like Samson but the Spirit of God has left you your shout will not translate to anything your gymnast there was a time if you begin to dance people Holy ghost will move that your dancing will be dry dancing he take it away he take it away he take it. Should I prophesy to you? Let me me speak in parables. Listen to me. In the visions of the Spirit, there are many preachers, even politicians, that the grace that God has put upon them in order for them to be who they are will be taken away. They will still be alive, but... It is when that grace is withdrawn that you will now discover in truth that indeed it is not by power. What makes you great is the supply that comes from God. And God will only sponsor specific dimensions of supply because you have yielded enough. And you are in alignment with his timing and seasons. As a willing vessel. Then supplies. This is the story of the rise and the fall of men. Of champions. This is the story of the rise of leaders. And then people come into the glory of their calling. And begin to squander the resources of visibility. The resources of favor. The resources of goodwill that the glory of their calling has produced, they squander it on flesh. What God does is, he take it away. It is for this that all true men must fear. And the great monarch is possessed with the authority to take away. Oh my. Oh my. It is only when I'm journeying into the heavens in transition that my garment should be available for someone else to take not that I'm still alive and then God now reallocates the resources that is meant to galvanize me for more productivity to be taken can we cry do not take away do not take away and Lord make me a practical Instrument For you Use me Oh Lord Lord Make me A practical Instrument For you Use me Oh Lord Somebody saying, Lord make me Lord make me. It's a prayer of devotion. Practical instrument for you. Use me. Somebody say it from your heart. Lord make me. Practical Practical instrument instrument for you. Use me. Sing it from your heart. God make me. practical age is true for you you'll see old la mamoko santa lima cadeli like combe mine sico brasketa maya Me, Lord, make me. Lord, let me. Uh, me, down. For you. Use me oh, Lord, let me. Lord, let me. Lord, me. Me. As you go about your activities, the time comes when God invades your spirit, and it begins to show you the things that are written concerning you, begins to show you. You know, I told you, God said, Study, study now. Because I'm going to use you to teach the nations when the word of God is cast. I thought that the study now means for six months, prepare yourself. Took ten years. Now this issue of fruit bearing is not, you know, when we talk about success, he has blown In two years, see where he is. Fruit bearing is not like that. Fruit bearing takes process of time so that it become evident that those fruits are wrought in God no flesh the more fruit you see the more humble you become if we see you on the other side of pride it's not fruit, it's ambition because God must have humbled you again and again before he will give you the power to bear fruit so that no flesh will glory in his presence. If you see a man that celebrates victory too easily, his heart is shallow. He has not seen well. He has not seen well. He's um, he's a shallow man. He's a small man in a big body. God's visions are always lofty. I remember we were doing 70 days of prayer and fasting on the 24th day God visited me in the tent and I could see the people I was teaching African nations in Europe in America you know visions are good (laughs) you don't pay money don't pay tax to, to receive visions You pay the price of yieldedness to see them come to pass. I saw the caption for a minister's conference and I knew that everybody going there was going to come under the influence of flesh. The the caption was results. (laughs) Results. Have you seen such cars before? It means the, the people even convening the conference don't know what fruit bearing is. Results. Is that the parameter by which we measure? Oh, I don't have time. You know, we are still building gradually. Don't worry. we It's a long journey. By the time we arrive at Romans chapter 6, you will see the things that you need to do in order for you to be in alignment, to receive grace from the island vessels. The principles that govern the things of the divine life are different from the principles that govern the world of men. In order for you to become productive, you will need to learn what it means to wait on the Lord to fulfill his word. Blessed is she that believed. For there shall be a performance. Of the things that the Lord has told. Has the Lord spoken over your, your life? That's one of the signs that it's not time for you to die. That's how God preserves life. He shows you something. It means you are there. Once upon a time, death came so close. And I told God, "Ah, you know this thing has not happened yet. So he told me, yes, it's going to happen. So I knew that that attempt of death was just a roaring lion. Can't bite. Because my soul has seen the will of God. And heaven and earth can pass away. But not one jot of that counsel We go on without being fulfilled. That's how you, you live longer means there's something your spirit has seen. Your soul and your body must be conditioned to stay around until it finds expression. These are big matters. Make me fruitful, oh God. I've waited for six years. I've waited for 12 years. Satan is beginning to whisper into my head, trying to make me look like a fool look like an unproductive person, look like someone that is without use, without value. If you don't have the waterings of God, which is the comfort of the scriptures, the scriptures that the Holy Spirit fires into your heart, you will not be able to survive the waiting process. I take strength in the scriptures that he has fired into me, in the words that he has spoken unto me, Are you there? I was waiting on the Lord in prayer, in fasting. I didn't know that God had written it in his book. That until I tarry for 264 days, he will not answer me. So when I have tarried for like 180 something, I was becoming discouraged, and God spoke to me and said, I see that you are praying. That's what it it told me. Say, what do you mean by this? Been praying for 180 something days, and you are the only thing you can tell me is that you see that I'm praying. What he was saying was, I'm aware of your effort. But it happens to be that I'm a king. I have a schedule, a calendar of visitation for every man. And until the day of your visitation arrives on my calendar, I will not show up, even though I see that you are praying. How many of you, are you there? So you are not the only one that has fasted. I fasted more until I became sick waiting for God because I knew by experience and by the scriptures that if I take off in the flesh like a tornado it will not amount to much. then I found the definition of true strength, the ability to wait on God knowing that you have no power to change anything, can we pray say Lord I will not be tired to wait on you the attempts of the devil to bend my mind will not work on me because I know that you are not a man that you should lie neither are you the son of man that you should repent. Cry to him, I will wait. And Lord, make me a practical instrument for you. Use me, oh Lord. make me get the crowd